This past August, at the beginning, Annette and I went to Soulfest down in New Hampshire. Anybody been to Soulfest other than us? Yeah, a bunch of you guys have been to Soulfest. So Soulfest is this three-day Christian music event. And when you go to Soulfest, there's several stages. And you can go to the stage which has the music that you like. So there's classic rock and roll. There's, there's folk music, Christian folk music. There's hip-hop, Christian hip-hop and rap. I know, Barb, that's for you, right? I'll pick on you a second time today. You love the Christian rap. There's, uh, there's Christian metal. Yeah, Albert likes that. Um, Annette and I saw this group this, uh, this past August that we had never seen before. It was three young ladies from Florida, and they were doing the metalcore growling kind of Christian music. It was that kind of stuff. Crazy guitars, crazy drums. I loved it. It was fantastic. So over this couple of days that we were there, um, we heard something that bothered us a little bit. And I've been thinking about it ever since. There was this, this, this line of thinking that was brought out. So what happens is, is these Christian artists will play their music, and then as part of it, they give a little testimony, and they talk about why they're doing it. One of my favorite groups is called War of Ages. And they were there, and they are just crazy, nuts, metal music. One of the guys has long hair, and he swings it around, and it's just... It's a show. They would stop every couple of songs and say, yeah, the music is fun. We are here for you. You come and talk to us. We'll be here all night. Do you have a problem? We're here to hear it. Do you have an issue you're facing? Are you depressed? Are you thinking of suicide? We are here to meet your needs, and we don't care if we're here all night. And it was wonderful. They meet a need. However, several of the young people and middle-aged people that gave a message had this particular line of thinking, and it bothered me a little bit. Be true to yourself. Hold firm to who you are. Don't let anyone judge you because of how you look or how you dress or what you do. You don't have to change. And Annette and I went away from this, and independently we both started talking one day. It's like, did that bother you a little bit? Was there something about you that you kind of wondered about? Does this message that they were giving apply to believers or unbelievers? This is it a true message? Certainly as Christians, we need to hold on to our identity in Christ. However, the implication that we heard was that we can continue to be exactly who we are in all aspects. That Christianity is simply one facet of who we are as people, and that we accommodate that and we fit our faith in without change to the rest of our person. 
So the question is, do we really have to change as Christians? Is change part of our nature, part of our fabric? Are there certain things that are unchangeable about us? So the title of my sermon this morning is this. Christianity changes everything. Christianity changes everything. When we first put our trust in Jesus, we talk about repentance. And to repent means to turn around, to have a complete change of direction. We turn from our life of sin and embrace Jesus. This experience is so utterly profound that Jesus uses an interesting term for it. He says, ye must be born again. And then as Christians, we go on in our life. It doesn't stop there, this change. Our new lives in Jesus are ones in which we continually change to become more like Jesus. Yes. Paul talks about both these aspects in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul writes this, We are all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So when we first trust in Jesus, we have a profound experience which we call being born again, and then as Christians, we become more and more like Jesus. We are transformed more and more into his image. Christianity is all about change. I want to read a passage with you this morning. The main text is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I found that as I thought more and more about this, that there were dozens and dozens, if not a hundred passages in the New Testament that talk about the radical changes that we as Christians need to expect and to undergo and to work at. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, hear God's word. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passages of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's word. The first thing that's mentioned in this passage is that we are transformed by our faith in Jesus from death to life. Verse 1 says, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 5 says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we're made alive together with Christ. We are those that have experienced the resurrection of spirit, and we look forward to the resurrection of our bodies when Jesus comes back. We have this profound change of our very nature in which we're changed from death into life. And then our lifestyle changes. Verse 2 talks about how we walked before, our path before, the course of our of our world was subject unto the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We had influences. We were influenced by the world. We were influenced by Satan. Disobedience. This goes all the way back to the garden. What Paul is talking about here, if you remember what happened in the garden, Satan came to Eve and said, you can be like God. So the implication in this passage is, before we came to Christ, we were living as if we were in control. We were doing what we wanted to do. We were satisfying our own desires and our lusts. Everything revolved around us. It was you and I that were seated on the throne. We were in charge. That's what this verse is talking about. But once we come to Jesus, all that changes profoundly. Profoundly, we realize that Jesus is on the throne. And we become more and more like him. We once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath. What does that mean? John chapter 3 says that we're condemned already and that the wrath of God remains on us if we don't believe in Jesus. Fundamentally, as human beings, we are born in sin, we inherit the sinful nature of our father Adam, and we are therefore condemned and judged already, and God's wrath, God's condemnation and judgment is upon us. Hebrews 10 says it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And what is the solution? Romans 7 says, Wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin and death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we have changed from being children of wrath, children of judgment, children of condemnation, to being accepted in the beloved. We are objects of mercy, verse 4 says. It says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We are objects of mercy. We are recipients of love. We have life from the dead. We have salvation by grace alone. And verse 6 says, And we are raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We change from becoming an earthly people to becoming a heavenly people. We have a new home. We have new citizenship. We have a new retirement plan. It says in verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. One aspect of eternity, one aspect of being with Jesus is that God will reveal to us his immeasurable riches that he has showered on us through Jesus and that will take all eternity. Our salvation is a gift from God. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And there is no boasting. We can't say, I did it my way. We can't say, I did it through my hard work and effort. It is God's grace through faith that we have salvation and that we're changed. And verse 10 says, we are his workmanship and we have a new vocation. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So next time you're going to Montreal and you're at the border, you'll receive a number of questions. How many have been through the border? How many have been pulled over at the border? Yes. How many have had to go into a, a, like a garage and have the garage door closed behind you? I have. I wonder why. First question, what is your name? Here's how I want you to respond in the future. You say, I can't tell you. And the guy's going to say, or the lady's going to say, what do you mean you can't tell me? You say, I have a new name written on a white stone that no one knows except me and Jesus. What is your citizenship? You say, my citizenship is in heaven. Where are you going? You say, I'm going to the Father's house in heaven. How long will you be there? Oh, for the coming ages. Are you bringing anything with you? You say, yes. I have my work I'm bringing. I have gold and I have silver and I have precious stones, but I also have some wood and hay and stubble, but that's going to burn and that's going to be gone. And then the guy is going to say, please pull your car over. A garage door is going to open and you're going to drive in. Christianity 
changes everything. It changes our identity. It changes our nationality. It changes our citizenship. It changes our vocation. It changes our retirement plans. Christianity changes the very way that we think about everything. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2 says, we have the mind of Christ. So everything that we think about changes when we become Christians. The way that we look at our own selves change. We realize that we're objects of grace and love and kindness and mercy. How we look at others changes. We're called to love our neighbor. We're called to love our enemy. The way that we work changes. We do all things as unto the Lord, whether we work at UTC or whether we work on a farm or whether we're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. Everything that we do, we do as unto the Lord. The way that we look at our spouse changes. All of a sudden, we don't say, I'm not getting anything out of my marriage. We say, how can I do something to delight my spouse? And our lives and our marriages become sacrificial to each other. Where we just can't wait to delight our spouse. The way that we look at our children and interact with them changes. The way that we look at money changes. It all belongs to God and he's given it to us. He's lent it to us for a time so that we can use it for his glory. Our houses, our cars, our homes, whatever it is. Yes? Amen? Our future. The way that we look at the future, God is in control and we wait for Jesus to come and get us and bring us into the Father's house. Christianity changes our behavior, fundamentally changes our behavior. A few years ago, I preached through Ephesians. The first three chapters bring us doctrine about who we are in Jesus, our new identity. The second three chapters, four through six, says, now that you know who you are in Jesus, here's how you act, here's how you behave, here's how you walk. Have a look at chapter four, verse one. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We have been called, brothers and sisters, to be like Jesus. How do we do that? We walk with all humility. We walk with gentleness. We walk with patience. We bear with each other in love. We maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, and it goes on. Chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, as the nations do, as the unsaved do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. And it goes on. We are no longer to walk in darkness. Chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says, Walk 
or verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are to walk in love. We are to walk sacrificially. Chapter 5, verse 8, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And it goes on and talks what that means. Chapter 5, verse 8, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And it goes on. We are to walk worthy of our calling. We are to walk no longer in darkness. We are to walk in love. We are to walk in light. We are to walk wisely. Christianity fundamentally changes our behavior. Now, almost done. Are there things that Christianity does not change? What about our personality? Well, the Bible teaches that there is diversity within the body of Christ. We each have our own unique gifts, our unique experiences, and our unique personalities. And God uses all three of those. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts. Paul says there's varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. So we're all different when it comes to gifts, and we make up the body of Christ. Can all say, I'm an ear? Can all say, I'm a foot? Can all say, I'm a kneecap? Can all say, I'm an armpit? No, we're all different, and there's diversity, and that's good, and that's healthy. God did not make us clones. God did not make us robots. We all have different experiences. For example, 2 Corinthians 1 talks about the afflictions that we suffer, each of us individually, and we suffer them so that we can comfort those who are going through similar things. So we have different gifts. We have different afflictions. We have different personalities. We were talking this morning in Sunday school about the Apostle John. John was called the son of thunder. And at one point he goes to Jesus and says, can we call down fire and burn these guys up? But then, as you read his writings, you realize that God took that and molded that personality. And at the end of the day, the Apostle John became kind of an emo guy. He was very emotional. He wrote more about love than any other apostle. It talks about him reclining on the bosom of Jesus, and that had an effect upon him. At the end of his days, he was banished to a volcanic island called Patmos. It was nothing but rock. And he went there because of his testimony for Jesus. He did not give up his boldness, but God tempered it with his love. And I could go on with many other examples of people in Scripture. The Apostle Paul, extremely learned, extremely zealous. And what did he do? He persecuted Christians. God changed him on the road. 
And he looked up and he saw the the Lord Jesus as the bright sun, and he was changed. And God took that personality and he changed it to be zealous for Christ. So do our personalities change? In some ways, yes. God takes our personalities, who we are as unique individuals, and he molds them and he uses them for his glory. He takes the rough edges off and he smooths them and he molds them. Christianity is all about change. If you're not, listen to me, if you're not being changed by God as a Christian, something is wrong in your Christian life. Hear me. If you're not becoming more like Jesus, if your behavior, if your outlook, if your mind, if your attitudes are not changing in some way, there's something wrong in your Christian life. I mean that. And I speak to myself as much as I speak to you. Now, finally, how does God change us? Well, first off, through the application of scriptures by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God will change us. It does it positively and it does it negatively. Conviction of sin, the negative side. You read it and you see, I shouldn't be acting that way. I shouldn't be doing those things. My behavior needs to change. And we're convicted of sin and we change positively. Paul says, do these things. Walk this way. Walk wisely. Walk in love. Am I walking in love to my brothers and sisters? Am I walking in love to my neighbors? Am I walking in love to my enemies? And so positively I change. I take out the bad. I add in the good. So are you reading Scripture? Are you studying God's Word? Are you looking at it not to get some good piece of information, but to fundamentally change who you are? That's the purpose of Scripture. That's what you need to do. You need to look at it as, okay, I'm reading the Scripture. Is it molding me? Is it changing me? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Secondly, God changes us through our experiences what we go through as people. We are going through things every single day. Some of you are suffering. Some of you are afflicted. Some of you are blessed. These things will change you. Are you looking at it from the standpoint of what is God trying to teach me in this experience? Are you looking at it and say, yes, I'm going through a trial. Okay, Lord, how can I comfort others going through the same trial? Maybe God is sending you discipline. Lord, what do you want me to see? What am I doing wrong? Are you being blessed by God? Are you using your blessings to help others? Are you changing? Are you transforming? That's the question. That's what Christianity is all about until he comes. Are you being changed by God? Mike Unger, are you being changed by God? Rich Rudy, are you being changed by Barb Cole, are you being changed by God? That's the question. Now, I'm going to go out on a big limb here this morning. You catch me if I fall? Are you ready? Next week, I want to try something very different. Next week, I want to have a time of testimony. 
I want to have a couple of people, three maybe, maybe four at the most. Is anybody willing to come forward and talk about how God is working in your life? I know God is working. We are so encouraged by testimonies. Please talk to me afterward. I need three people. I want to next week, I'm going to start off, I'm going to be very real with you and talk to you about how I'm fighting through something with God right now. I'm going to lay it out. Is God working in your life, Dan? Annette, Val, Peter, is God working in your life? Come and testify what God is doing. So next week, I'm going to have a little scripture. I'm going to have my own little short couple-minute testimony, and then I need three people to come and testify what God is doing in your life. This will be so encouraging to the congregation. We need to hear it. We need to see that God today, in 2018, in September, is changing people. Will you do it? Huh? Yes or no? Yes! Anybody else say yes? Will we do that? Will we try that? I look back at my time here at Penn. So many times, the things I remember is when someone makes the effort to stand up and to say, here's what God's doing in my life. Time of testimony is very important. So that's it. That's all I've got to say. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you change us fundamentally, radically, spiritually, mentally, physically. You change our outlook. You change our, our mind. You change how we act. You change our behavior. God, you, you want to change us to be like your son, Jesus. Help us to change. Help us to be better Christians. Help us to love those around us. Help us to care for people. Help us to be wise in this world that we live in that's so difficult and so hard. Lord Jesus, arm us with a mind of Jesus. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.